Hey there, and welcome to your pocket sailing instructor. I'm Penny Caldwell, and I have been a sailing coach for over 25 years now. I'm here to help you reach your sailing goals, whether you're looking for gear reviews, safety tips, or just some fun sailing stories. This podcast will have it all. Your Pocket Sailing Instructor is an educational and fun podcast about all things sailing. I plan on releasing weekly episodes every Thursday to help you end off your week on a high note. So grab your coffee and join me for your weekly dose of all things sailing. Hey guys, happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of Your Pocket Sailing Instructor. I'm Penny. I'm excited to have you join me today. Today we are talking about the dreaded crew overboard. Um, And to start off, I wanted to thank you guys for sending me your emails and your texts and messages on Instagram and all over the place uh, with um, a lot of support. First and foremost, thank you so much. And also ideas for episodes. So this episode comes from one of my patrons, Mark, and uh, who wanted to know a little bit more about Crew Overboard. So we're going to talk about that today. And the particular Crew Overboard recovery method that I'm going to talk about is called the Reach Tack Reach. Um, also known sometimes as the triangle method or even sometimes as the figure eight. So it has had a few names over the years and uh, right now it's known as the reach tack reach but regardless of what it's known as um, I'm going to walk you through basically it's a very simple maneuver. It is a maneuver that Sail Canada uses from the basic cruising levels all the way up into our more advanced courses and the reason for that is that it tends to be very dependable um, and you can basically get back to the person in the water in a variety of conditions. So as you move up through the different levels, we do teach other crew overboard methods, uh, but know that when you do learn this method, it is valuable and it is used um, all the way up to the more advanced levels. So there you have it. We're going to look today at the reach tack reach. So to start off, I want to talk a little bit about safety gear. So just a reminder of the required safety gear that you have to have on your boat. So for instance, for spin drift, 27 feet. So here in Canada, I need to make sure that I have flares. I have to have a flashlight. I have to have navigation lights. I have to have some sort of reboarding device, also known as a ladder. I need to make sure I have an anchor and road. Um, Paddles are handy. PFDs or life jackets for each person on board. You want to make sure that you have some sort of manual bailer. Um, A fire extinguisher for each source of fire on the vessel, so engine Uh, cooking in the galley and so on. Um, Sound device, so some sort of air horn or whistle or something that you can alert people to your presence. And also a buoyant heaving line, or you can have a floating life ring, for instance, as well. So that is the required safety gear. And then there's also some gear that is highly recommended and some gear that I'm going to talk about uh, throughout this episode when we talk about the procedure itself. So some of the extra gear that you could think about having on your boat, um, a crew overboard pole. So sometimes you can purchase a inflatable crew overboard pole, sometimes called a uh, man overboard pole, and uh, they have solid ones or they have inflatable ones. So the idea is that if somebody falls off of the boat, you would take this, you throw it into the water and they can swim towards it, um, or you will try to get it close to them. But it basically 
likely will give you something that is about five or six feet up off of the water to aim for. So a handy piece of equipment there. Uh, crew overboard beacons, so personal beacons for each person on the boat. Uh, this would definitely be something that boats traveling offshore or when they are further distance from shore, definitely recommend having some sort of personal beacons for each crew member. And basically what happens is somebody, if they fall off the boat, the beacon is automatically um, turned on and it will communicate with the boat and provide a GPS signal so that you will be able to uh, take that person's position so you can also hopefully get back to them that way. Um, Depending on the type of weather that you're boating in, and uh, again, if you are offshore or especially boating at night, then you might be using tethers on your boat. I won't get into tethers too much. There's a lot of debate around tethers and whether or not they really are um, valuable and whether or not it's more dangerous to be tied off to the boat or not. But uh, tethers might be something that you are wearing when you are on the boat, especially at night. And also a VHF radio. So the idea with the VHF radio, it's a recommended piece of gear because you do have to have a VHF radio license in order to operate one. But it is a great tool to have on your boat. Uh, if you think about it and somebody um, falls off the boat, you will grab your VHF and on channel 16, you can put out a mayday call requesting assistance. And what that does is it will let you contact other boats that are within the vicinity. So instead of picking up a cell phone and calling 911, you will be talking to one person. You'll be talking to a dispatcher, potentially who's nowhere near your location, and then you're trying to describe your location and so on and so forth. But if you have a VHF and you tune into channel 16 and you do your Mayday call, you are potentially reaching a whole bunch of other boaters that are within the area. Um, so boaters who are also obviously right in the water with you and they are near you and they potentially have equipment that will be able to assist you with your crew overboard procedure or your crew overboard recovery. So definitely a VHF radio is a uh, recommended piece of gear. A first aid kit is also a recommended piece of gear. It's not required, um, but definitely something good to have on board in case you have someone who ends up being injured when they fall off of the boat. Um, and then there are some different tools that you will be able to purchase kind of aftermarket type things that can help with bringing somebody back up onto the boat. Um, so there are a bunch of different uh, brands you can look at and we'll talk about those when we talk about the actual maneuver itself. I just want to take a minute to give a big shout out to my patrons. You guys are a huge support for me. You help to make these episodes possible. So thank you so much. For those of you who are not familiar with Patreon, it's a way for you to help support content creators like myself through a subscription. For as little as $3 a month, you can support my little podcast to reach many more people, and it will help me bring you new episodes every single week. Check it out today at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. One last time, patreon.com forward slash your pocket sailing instructor. And I so, so, so appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our episode. So we have covered the uh, safety gear. 
required safety gear and the recommended safety gear. And I'm going to talk a bit about uh, that gear and when it comes into play with the maneuver. But for now, let's start talking about the maneuver itself. So in order to uh, execute the reach tack reach method, you basically have to master three points of sale. You need to master a beam reach, a broad reach, and a close reach. So again, that's why this maneuver is so popular because it is relatively straightforward and simple to remember. So the idea is, is you are sailing along, let's say we are on a port tack close hauled. So we're sailing along, maybe we're in a race. We're having a great day, having a race. I asked Joe to go forward uh, to get the spinnaker prepared because we're about to round our mark and we're going to launch it and we're going to start heading downwind. So Joe heads forward towards the bow. Unfortunately, on his way up to the bow, he ends up catching his foot on the uh, jib sheet, on the lazy jib sheet, because he's walking on the windward side of the boat, of course, safety first. Um, and Joe, unfortunately, loses his balance, topples off the boat. So the very first thing that we need to have happen is sound the alarm. So we want to make sure that everybody on the boat is aware that we have a crew overboard situation. Somebody's in the water. This is an emergency. So whatever you are doing, provided it is not safe, unsafe to do so, you would stop whatever you're doing and you would figure out if you can assist with the crew overboard maneuver. So first we sound the alarm. The second thing that will happen is we want to assign a pointer. So the pointer is really important in this situation because they will literally stand or sit in a safe position and they will point at the person in the water. So their arm is out, they are pointing, they are maintaining eye contact on that person the entire time. They're not talking to other people and helping sort out, uh, you know, jib sheets or main sheets. If they're getting caught in things, they are solely focusing on the person in the water. And the reason why we get you to point is so that it also provides a reference to everybody else on the boat. So the pointer plays a really important role. And one thing that I always mention to my students is it's important for the pointer to find a position on the boat where they do not need to move around a lot. So there are basically two positions that I have found that work really well. One is standing in the companion way. So basically you will have in the companion way your ladder going down into your cabin. Um, I will stand on that ladder. So I am standing, everybody is looking forward towards me so they can see me, but I am looking back astern and I can see the person in the water and I am pointing, I'm holding my arm out and pointing and I'm low enough for the boom. So when they tack, I don't have to worry about the boom. I'm away from the sheets and all that other jazz. So on my boat, um, standing in the companion way or sitting in the companion way works really well. And then the other place that works really well is at the stern of the boat. And in this case, you might be on the port or the starboard side, whatever, uh, works best and you are kind of tucked away at the very, very back, back edge of the stern. So again, you're away from the boom, you're away from the sheets and all the other action. Uh, you're positioning yourself so that your legs are not in the way of a tiller or the skipper moving around. Um, so that position, people will have to look towards you to figure out where you're pointing. Um, but that position also tends to work really well. So you're out of the way. So step one, sound the alarm. Step two, pointer starts pointing right away. 
Third step is uh, basically at this point, you would want to throw anything that's buoyant that you have close at hand into the water. So I have on my push pit, I have a floating ring with 50 feet of floating line, and it's just sitting on a little cradle. I don't have it tied off or anything like that. A lot of people make that mistake and they tie it off. So you should not have your life ring and the buoyant heaving line attached to it tied off uh, because then you need to untie it and then throw it out. And by that point, depending on the wind, you're probably maybe two, three boat lengths away from the person. So you need to have something that can be quickly deployed. So think about that. Um, it could be a life jacket as well or a PFD. Hopefully, depending on the situation and the, the weather and the wind, they're already wearing theirs. But if not, try to deploy a PFD, something that they can hang on to, they can use to float, they can use to warm up a little bit. Now, the next thing that's happening is kind of while all of this is happening, the person on the helm, whoever's on the helm, they will immediately position the boat onto a beam reach. So if you remember, we were traveling on a close hauled port tack. So that would mean that I would bear away to a beam reach port tack. And I basically sail away from the person. So this can be a little bit confusing for the person in the water and they might think, oh my gosh, they don't see me. So it is important that the pointer uh, will communicate with the person that in the water. Joe, don't worry. We're going to come back and get you. We're just going to sail away from you a bit so we have room to turn around and come back. Are you injured? Are you warm enough? Can you float? That kind of stuff. So your pointer is kind of liaising or talking and reassuring the person that's in the water. The skipper, the person on the helm, has bared away to a beam reach. And at this point, what we're doing is we're just trying to create a bit of distance between us and the person in the water so that we have enough room to tack. So we need to turn the boat all the way back around so that we can come back towards them. So one of the things that I mentioned to my students is that um, it's more important to get the boat onto the right point of sail than it is to fiddle around with the sails themselves. So depending on how many crew you have, if you're by yourself or if you only have one other person, don't wait for them to ease the sheets and adjust the sails and all that stuff. Get that boat onto that beam reach. So get the boat traveling in the right direction. For those of you that have been sailing for a while, you will know that even if your sails are not in the correct position and they're not trimmed properly, your boat is still going to move. So if I keep my, my sails on a close hauled and I bear away to a beam reach, I'm still going to be sailing. So don't worry too, too much about fiddling with those sails. So right away we go on to our beam reach. Then what happens is basically we probably get about two to three boat lengths distance to the person. And this could vary depending on the boat, but generally about, you know, two to three boat lengths. I'm going to do a tack. So it's going to be a tight tack. I'm going to come up through the wind. I am going to tack all the way around. And this is the point where a lot of people make the mistake, but you want to go all the way around past your close hauled, past your close reach, past your beam reach, all the way to a broad reach. So now if you can visualize the person is windward of the boat and you are traveling downwind. So this is the second side of our triangle. This is why it was called the triangle method. So our first side was the beam reach. Then we did a nice tight tack. Now we're traveling down the second side of the triangle, which is our broad reach. And in this case, the person is to windward. We can clearly see them. 
and we are sailing along on our broad reach roughly until the person is about a beam of the boat. So somewhere around your shroud area, when the person is about the shrouds, you're going to head up into your close reach. So this is our third side of the triangle. We're doing a close reach. And at this point, because of leeway and potentially the seas and the wind and all that stuff, what we're doing is we are pointing the bow almost right at the person. So at this point, this is our last side of the triangle. We are taking a look at our speed. If we need to slow down, we will luff the jib, we will luff the main, and your goal is to pick up this person on the windward side of the boat going one knot or less. So you are aiming to hopefully have your boat basically lose its speed and stall right beside the person. At the end of the day, the goal is to get within throwing distance of the person in the water because on your boat, part of your safety gear that we talked about is a buoyant heaving line. So I mentioned a life ring at the beginning. When the person falls into the water, we want to throw in any kind of floating aids. So a life ring is a floating aid, whereas a heaving line is a retrieval aid. So the heaving line will get used at this point and we will throw the heaving line out to the person in the water. We tie it off to a teak lead or around a winch or whatever so that they can grab onto that line. It's attached to the boat and they can pull as hard as they want and they can pull themselves back towards the boat. Um, at this point, we are also putting down our ladder if it's not down already. We are potentially furling in the head sail so that we don't have sheets whipping around all over the place. Um, and you potentially might even think about starting your motor depending on where you are located in relation to uh, the shore or any other hazards. So with the motor, however, you do want to make sure that there is no way that the gears can be engaged and there's no way that the person in the water can get too close to the propeller. Uh, that kind of goes without saying. Um, and then at this point, this is where actually the real work starts <laughs> because it can be very interesting trying to get somebody back up into a boat, especially if they are in cold water like we have here in Canada. It doesn't take long you know, two, three minutes in the water and your hands and everything are starting to uh, really feel the effects of the cold water. So it can be hard for them to try and grab the ladder and to come up onto the boat. So let's just do a quick recap there. I'm sailing along, port tack close hauled, somebody falls off the boat, crew overboard, pointer, bearing away to a beam reach. I go to my beam reach. I do a tack. I go all the way around through the circle, through all my points of sail to a broad reach. So now I am going downwind. And when the person is a beam, I'm going to head up to a close reach. My goal is to have them on my windward side and I am traveling one knot or less for speed. Now, the reason why we are talking about picking them up on the windward side of the boat is uh, there's a few things that come into play here. So the windward side of the boat will be nice and clear from the sails. So when you're slowing down your boat, you're going to luff your sails. So you're going to let out your sheets. 
the sheets and the sails are going to be luffing around like crazy. Ropes are whipping around. So the windward side of the boat is nice and clear. There's nothing for people to um, hopefully trip on or step on and get, you know, they're not going to get hit by the boom or anything like that. The other thing is that when people are in the water, they will naturally turn so that their back is to the wind. So when the person lands in the water, they will turn with their back to the wind. So when you're approaching them on this final approach, they will actually be facing you. So they will be able to see the boat coming towards them. You will be able to communicate with them. Uh, you'll be able to see their, you know, facial reactions. Are they injured? You know, what, what do you need to think about? So that's basically the maneuver in a nutshell. Now, this is all assuming that the person is conscious and that the person is able to help themselves and bring themselves up onto the boat that they are uninjured. So this is an ideal situation. Uh, I, well, <laughs> the most ideal for a crew overboard situation, I guess. Um, somebody just tripped, fell in. Maybe they're already wearing a PFD, so they're floating around. Everybody's having a good laugh. You're such a spaz kind of thing. And uh, they can help themselves climb back up into the boat. So the next level from there is you might get into a situation where somebody has an injury. So you might have to think about how would I get this person back up into the boat. Um, so if they are unable to use the ladder, if you have a dinghy that you're towing behind the boat, um, some people will be able to pull themselves or you will be able to help them come up into the dinghy. Uh, you could also partially deflate the dinghy to make the side rails a little bit lower and get them into the dinghy from there and then slowly move them up kind of step by step in towards um, the boat. And then there are also some aftermarket type of uh, devices that you can purchase to help bring someone up on board. Now in the basic cruising book, we do have a photo where we show a, um, a boat that is using a jib sail. And basically the idea is you have the tack attached up at the bow, you have your sheets pulled nice and tight so the whole foot of the sail is really tight, and then you would um, unhank or basically lower your halyard for the jib and you would lower the jib down into the water. And then you would put the person into the jib and then you would winch it back up. Uh, in theory, could work okay. Um, I've actually been winched up in a jib just for practice. And just because of the shape of the jib, it really doesn't work very well. And also the fabric of the jib does retain a lot of water. So you will be uh, winching up a lot of water. And unless the person is able to really hold themselves in the sail, they're probably just going to slide right out with the water. And they're also going to get end up getting sandwiched beside the hull. And you basically kind of end up rolling up the hull like a sausage. Really not in really not comfortable. I've been there. But um, at the end of the day, if that's what you have, that's what you have. There's another um, item that you can get, which is basically like a mesh um, square. Uh, there's also one that's a mesh triangle, but the same idea. Um, and basically you would attach two of the corners along your tow rail and then the other um, side, whether it's a corner, let's say it's a triangle, it would look like your jib basically. So you have the two points of the triangle attached to the tow rail and then you'd have a halyard on the other point. And same idea, you put somebody into the middle of this mesh 
uh, triangle and then you winch them up that way. So that one works a lot better because it's a symmetrical triangle and also all of the water will go through that particular um, mesh triangle too. Now in a couple of my episodes I have talked about the fact that I have a quick release main sheet. So my main sheet has quick release shackles on both ends and that works out pretty well just in case if I ever have an emergency and I need to have extra purchase to pull something or someone up I can use my main sheet to do that so in this case if I had somebody who had maybe I've tied a bowline around them really not comfortable but again I might have to do what I have to do. Um, So I've tied a bowline around their chest, let's say, and now I'm going to attach my main sheet to that bowline and I'm going to attach a halyard to the other end. And then I'm going to use somebody winching the halyard as well as me pulling on that jib sheet to try and get that person up out of the water. So all of those scenarios are um, basically assuming that somebody is injured or they're too cold Um, but basically they are unable to get themselves back up into the boat using the ladder or other means. Now, if you are in a situation where the person in the water is unconscious, uh, this gets really tricky. Um, Hopefully they are wearing a life jacket that will inflate and will flip them over so at least their airway is available and clear. Um, If not, this is where you need to make a big judgment call as far as if you would send somebody into the water with them and then you basically have two people in the water that you need to recover. Um, So I'm not going to kind of dive into too many scenarios uh, with that because like everything else you can go down a lot of different rabbit holes but again thinking about your responsibility as the skipper, your primary responsibility is the boat and the crew. Um, And so in this case, you have a crew that's in the water, you are still responsible for all of the crew that are on the boat. And you potentially also don't want to endanger another person on the boat by putting them in. So uh, just something to think about there. Now, I talked about doing our recovery uh, with the person on the windward side. You can also recover and have the person on your leeward side. So the downside of that, like I mentioned, is you're going to have all of your sails and sheets. Everything's luffing and kind of slapping around. Um, So you've got a lot of things going on on the leeward side of the boat. But the upside of that is that the boat will actually shelter the person that's in the water. So it will um, break the waves and it will make the water on the leeward side is much calmer than the water on the windward side of the boat. So if you do have a situation where somebody is injured or unconscious, you might actually want to uh, recover them on the leeward side of the boat. So that way your leeway is also drifting you towards them um, and it's just a bit easier to get to that person. So some of the boat equipment that you would be using, I've already mentioned, you've got your life ring, which is a floating aid. You have your PFDs, which are also floating aids. You have a heaving line, which is a retrieval aid. You have your VHF radio, which is an optional piece of equipment, but that is really beneficial. If you have other boaters in the area, they can start making their way over to you and see if they can help you. You might have somebody who's in like a little fishing boat, and it might be a lot easier to get that person into that fishing boat than up onto your boat. So really helpful there. 
a first aid kit so that you can um, help with any type of injury that has happened. Um, one thing I didn't mention yet was a uh, boat hook. So boat hooks are really handy to have on the boat. Uh, you can, you know, grab onto things that have fallen in the water, including people or hats or anything else, garbage. Uh, you can use them when you're docking and undocking and you need to fend off of something. So those are really handy to have. And obviously a really key piece of equipment that we're using when we have a crew overboard situation is our ladder at the stern of the boat. So ideally um, for your ladder, hopefully you have a boat that has an integrated ladder that is designed for your boat and it's really well, um, well mounted and it fits well for your boat. Um, if not, you know, there are a lot of alternatives. They can be a bit tricky to use. Um, especially if you have a rope ladder or one of those plastic ladders that hooks on, they tend to kind of go with the curve of the boat. So it can be really difficult to try and use those, but there's definitely a lot of options. And at the end of the day, the goal is to really get the person back and get them up into the boat by any means necessary. So this reach tack reach method uh, should take you under two minutes to execute. So I get asked a lot by a lot of my students, you know, why don't we just drop the sails and we can just use the motor? It will take you a lot longer to drop your sails, start the motor and power back to the person. You could easily do this maneuver within two minutes and you're back at the person. So um, I definitely highly recommend this maneuver. It is something that you should try to practice as often as possible. And you should also try to practice it in a few different scenarios where, you know, maybe you're the only person left on the boat. You normally sail with a spouse or a partner and they've fallen off. So now you're all by yourself. So practice going through, how would you handle the sails? How would you tack? When would you luff the sails? When would you throw the heaving line? How would you deploy the ladder and so on? So trying to go through all of those steps, maybe you sail with several people. So you might play around with, okay, how would I do this if I have two crew? I'm going to put one my crew, they're going to be the pointer, the other person's going to do all the sails and so on. So kind of working your way through some of the different scenarios. And again, we are trying to get this maneuver to basically the reflex stage. So if God forbid you ever hear that crew overboard uh, announcement right away. If you're on the helm, you're putting that boat on a beam reach. John, you're going to point. Mary, you're going to do the sails. Let's do this. So I hope that you never have to use this maneuver. I hope that you practice it to the point where you don't have to think about it. Um, and yeah, I basically, I have actually never had a crew overboard situation on my boat, knock on wood, wherever it is. <laughs> um, but, uh, again, it's one of those things that I try to practice safe seamanship skills and I try to pass that on to my students and I try to be aware of where everybody is and what the boat is doing so that I can make sure that I 100% avoid trying to get us into a crew overboard situation. So I have had people fall off of the boat when they're trying to get on the boat or off the boat uh, at the dock, basically tripping or miss their footing or, or whatever. Uh, but while I've been out sailing, I have not experienced a crew overboard, at least not that was on purpose. <laughs> so if you do uh, sail in an area where you have nice warm water or you have a volunteer who's happy to jump in, I would say, you know, practice 
actually doing this maneuver with somebody in the water so you can see what it's like to only have a little bit of that person visible. You're going to see a head and maybe a little bit of the, the shoulder of their PFD if you're lucky. Um, so it's, it's a good thing to learn to do as an instinct. And I'm not going to lie, when my kids were younger and they were, you know, toddlers running around on the boat and they were kind of in that early stages of learning to swim, I think if one of them fell off the boat, I would have had a hard time turning off my mom brain and not jumping into the water after them. I probably, it would have been hard for me to override that uh, sense of urgency to jump in the water after them. So uh, thankfully I never had to experience that. I just made sure that everybody was safe and sound as best I could. But uh, hopefully this has helped you a little bit and given you some ideas of one of the crew overboard methods that you could do. I will definitely put up some diagrams and some information at sailnelson.com forward slash podcast. And if you have any questions, please do send me an email, sailnelson at outlook.com or get in touch another way. I'm happy to uh, share more uh, information and details if needed. And you should also be able to find uh, this maneuver on YouTube as well. I've seen a few videos, so I'll link to those as well so you can also see how it is done uh, live too. And I will definitely work on some other episodes talking about some of the other crew overboard methods that you could learn as well. So I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you soon. Bye.